listening to The Currency Podcast. Welcome. I'm your host, Mike Gaston, and I'm thrilled to have you here. This is episode number one. That's right. This is the inaugural episode of The Currency. And I'm thrilled today to have a guest, a special guest. He's a buddy of mine. His name is Sean Pritzkow. And Sean is a marketer and a consultant. I'll read a little bio here that Sean provided. He left what felt like his dream job in pursuit of freedom and greater impact. Taking experience from his work with businesses, churches, and not-for-profits, he's on a mission to help people and organizations grow their audience and make an impact with their marketing. Sean, welcome to The Currency. Hey, Mike. Thanks. I'm excited to be here. Yeah, I'm, I'm thrilled to have you. I, I feel like this is uh, brave of you to be the first, the first guest <laughs> on this podcast. So hopefully your experience is great. We'll, we'll try to set a, a high bar. I'm so up Sean, for the talent. <laughs> what's that? I'm up for the talent. <laughs> excellent. Excellent. Let's see if I am. I, you know, I've, I'm glad at least one of us is. So I'm glad you're here today. I, I wanted to invite you on the show because you're, you're an interesting mix for me. You know, often I meet someone and, you know, they've got a thing that they do and it's very easy for me to kind of put them in a box. And I know that's a bad habit, but I think we all do this. We categorize, oh, this person's uh, an architect, this person is a house painter. You kind of think of people based on what they do in, in the business world. Mm-hmm. And you bring a very interesting mix to the table. Uh, and I want to have you talk a little bit, but yeah, I, I engage you initially around social media and uh, getting your help with a client of mine to help with some social media work. But you're kind of mixing both social media, marketing, um, branding, and you, and you bring this other kind of non-typical experience to the table because you spent some time uh, at a church doing more ministry-oriented work. And I thought, wow, it'd be great to learn a little bit of, more about that in, in your journey, how you went from kind of one world, if you will, uh, to another. Yes. So tell us a little bit about what you do now. And then uh, I'd like to kind of go back to where you started in the ministry world and how you how you found yourself as a as a marketer and a consultant. But, but what, what's your business now? Yeah, so currently I'm a like you said a marketing consultant. Um, I work with businesses and nonprofits. Um, what I like to say is like cause driven organizations to help them with their their marketing and their branding, uh, helping them get clear on their their message and what they have to offer and then help them cut through the noise of, you know, this, this busy online space that we work in. Um, so I've been uh, doing that for just about two and a half years, I think this month. And oh, um, congratulations. Been, thanks. And I, I've been, you know, really enjoying the the journey, but the other day I heard a, someone suggest a, a great question to ask at, you know, parties or cocktail parties, or if you bump into someone and, and, the question was, did you, did you expect to end up where you are? <laughs> and I, I thought that was the most intriguing question because I think for most of us, we can say, I, I don't think I could have planned um, where I ended up. Or most of us are somehow surprised um, about what happened along the journey and, and to get where we are. So right now, this is what I'm doing. And uh, I definitely didn't necessarily plan to arrive at this location of, of what I'm doing, but I'm, I'm really grateful I did. That's cool. And you talk about the types of clients that you work with. Uh, you, you said cause-based businesses or organizations. Is that the way you said it? I want to make sure I got that mm-hmm. right. Yeah. Uh, yeah. I'd say like cause-driven organizations or purpose-driven organizations. Sure. 
And just just sort of for people listening, like, what does that mean? I mean, I, I could think of not-for-profits like the United Way or something, but how do you, what does that mean for you? Yeah, I'm just enthralled with people who are so driven and passionate to see change happen, um, whether that's in a community or in the world um, or related some, some uh, related to some sort of mission or, or cause that they're passionate about. And um, so that's kind of how I would define this group. Um, but I don't, you know, I don't kind of put these people in the box. I think there's a lot of people that are doing such great work in the world um, that aren't, <clears throat> excuse me, aren't, um, you know, aren't tucked in just into the, the nonprofit box. Um, and so I'm, I'm just really passionate about working with people that are, have some sort of a purpose that they're driven by opposed to just profit and profit's not a bad thing. Um, and I think to push our mission, our movements forward, we need to definitely focus on how, how is this profitable? Um, but some of the most uh, exciting people that I get to work with and, and talk to are people that are driven by this passion or purpose. So when you talk about purpose, you know, I think of, and, and you, and you put your finger on, I tend to think of, Nonprofits or not-for-profits. Mm-hmm. I think of churches. I think of food cupboards and that type of thing. But I know there's a huge movement in the for-profit world to become more purpose-oriented. Mm-hmm. And I know we're going to talk a little bit about your history and how you got to where you are, but I just want to unpack this a little bit. Yeah. What are you seeing in that? Like, Are you working with for-profit entities that are more purpose-driven? And, and how do you as a consultant choose those Folks, I think about myself also as a consultant. I don't have a lot of time, so I have to be kind of picky about who I work with. Mm-hmm. Um, so is there a criteria for you when you're looking at, you know, how purpose-driven? Is it just, gosh, the owner seems like a decent person and I want to get behind him or her? Or are you looking for other criteria? Yeah, at this point in my business, um, like I said, I've been you know, two and a half years in, and I haven't necessarily turned turned away too many clients. Um, but the kind of people that I like to work with, you know, are in this space where they're they're driven by some sort of mission, and you know, that's something that has gained popularity over these past you know four or five you know to ten years of um, you know organizations working for some sort of social good, and. Um, I think we're going to only see that more as, you know, our, the millennial generation kind of rises into the, um, the workforce and are leading some of our businesses. Why, why do you think that's the case? What's driving that for the millennials? Yeah, I think there is this desire to, um, you know, we're in a generation that's so uh, over-marketed too, right? We, we see, you know, hundreds of thousands of marketing messages every day. Um, both in, you know, IRL, as we would say in real life, um, in, you know, in our commutes and in work and in, in our homes and TVs and things, but on our devices. And so I think it does come from a bit of, um, wariness, you know, of of being marketed to and always kind of having some sort of skepticism. Um, so I think it's refreshing to see businesses and organizations um, kind of lead forward with something that they want to see, some good that they want to see in the world. Um, So I think that is definitely pushing it forward. Um, So I think there's some businesses that, you know, definitely want to, you know, jump on the train, if you will, of um, having that positive brand reputation. Um, But I think, you know, some people are 
especially in in my age and around my generation. You know, I'm I'm 28 right now, and I think there are people that are truly have some sort of meaning or purpose that they're looking to integrate into their their businesses, and you see that in nonprofit organizations that are fighting for for change of some sort. But you're also seeing that in you know privately held businesses that say, I want to encompass what I what I'm doing for business with some sort of mission or passion that I have. Yeah, I think it's good. And I think I really appreciate that you put your finger on the the fact that, you know, your generation and mine too, all of us right now are being marketed to on such a level that mm-hmm. that you couldn't have imagined it, you know, but you couldn't have imagined before. I mean, we're, it feels like we're kind of heading towards that minority report uh, dystopia where mm-hmm. you're just surrounded. But I wonder if that doesn't create a sense of cynicism. It's like you get marketed to so much, you, you develop this hard shell. And uh, so do people start on another level saying, well, because I ha- I'm so cynical, I'm just looking for purpose more specifically. Where before people just assumed you didn't really question things as much. You just kind of went along with your life and you did the things that your society expected mm-hmm. of you. And yeah, you fought wars, got married, had kids. And I think your generation maybe. Uh, maybe mine, the Gen Xers, started to kind of question a little bit, but I think, you know, the millennials really took that flag. Mm-hmm. And so I wonder if some of that desire for purpose is a reaction against the cynicism. Yeah, I definitely, I think so. Uh, I think you're you're right on the mark there. And I think, you know, to the point of just being over-marketed too, I think it's forcing us to become better marketers, right? Because there's so much noise out there. Um, yeah. And something I like to, to say with clients, it's 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 not the people who... Uh, communicate the loudest that are heard, but it's the people that communicate the clearest. And I think it's it's forcing us as marketers to really focus on how do we help people and how do we communicate that up front so we just don't, you know, drown in the sea of noise. Yeah. Yeah. I I I like that. And I've thought when when you have a, a cynical population, cynically, politically, socially, we we just live in an age of cynicism. And, you know, I, I, we can decry it, we can embrace it, whatever. It's not much, I, I, you know, I can't change it, but we at least have to understand what we're dealing with. You know, when brands take on, I think, I, I agree that we have to be more careful and more intelligent as marketers, but, but I think there's this danger too, because you can try to seem like you're purpose-driven or cause-driven. I'm thinking of like the Gillette uh, mm-hmm. ad, that, and I don't know where mm-hmm. you stand on that, but... I, I couldn't help but feel cynical. I think the Gillette ad came out and it was like... You know, you're disposable razors, but you're telling me how to behave with women. And it just seemed it seemed a little heavy handed, I guess, to me. So so I, all I'm trying to say is I think in an age of cynicism, I think we have to be very careful because we want to maybe come across like we have a purpose. But if it's not true Truer, to who we are, yes. it's dangerous. Yeah. Anyway. So tell me a little bit about your start. You worked in a mega church for a while. That's where you cut your teeth, I think. Is that true? Yeah, that is. That's that's true. Um, so, what was your role? Yeah. So, uh, starting in September 2014, I, I walked in as my first day, you know, in a communications role at a at a large church. Um, and I had been active in the church for close to ten years, um, and really witnessed it grow from a humble community church to a to a large mega church, if you will, for, of you know over three thousand in attendance. And up in the until that point, I was you know volunteering in the church, leading teams, um, youth ministry. I was teaching from time to time, leading small groups. 
Um, if there was really an opportunity to grow or serve in some capacity, um, that's, that's where I was. Um, so, but that was my first day actually jumping on board in a, in a staff position. And you did that for, for how long? Yeah, uh, September 2014, I started. So, um, if I do my math correctly, I think I was there for close to three years. Yeah. Wow. Cool. And then, and then you decided to take the leap uh, into going on your own. Now, what was that like? I mean, and I, I don't mean so much like what were the details of what, what made you, but like, what was it like to go from working in a good sized organization? You had a role that was pretty public. I would imagine if you're doing the communications work, I know sometimes these larger churches came amazing, like multimedia and, and marketing and to say, I'm going to just go out on my own. Was that scary? Was that hard? Was that exciting? It, yeah, all of the above. <laughs> um, I mean, I kind of stumbled in, into this position. I was working in kind of like a corporate marketing job. And, you know, out of nowhere, um, just after, um, it was just months after actually getting married to my wife. Um, we've been married close to, to five years now. And uh, thank you. <laughs> and we had, uh, yeah, my whole, our whole marketing team at that point had gotten laid off. And I, you know, come home just a few months after getting married and telling my wife that I um, oh, <laughs> was no longer employed. <laughs> and we had really no idea what to do there. And um, Monday morning, I received a call. Um, I sat down, like, I'm going to work on my resume. I'm going to start hunting for jobs. And uh, literally as, as the clock struck nine, I sit down and I, I receive a call and it was, um, you know, the executive director from the church asking if I was interested in, in a position. Wow. And, um, so it was kind of like a surreal moment because, uh, for me, it seemed like the stars had aligned, um, my passion in education for ministry, um, which I, you know, I studied, uh, religion, philosophy and, uh, in, in college and went from, uh, did my master's of divinity degree. And for me, it was like my passion in education for ministry was colliding with my my experience in marketing and communications. Um, so it felt like everything I had done previously had kind of prepared me for that. And it was, you know, my my dream job, I, it felt like in the moment. And so, you know, during my duration there, I was able to, to do a lot of work um, for the church and, you know, really create a, a, a comprehensive digital marketing plan for the church and, you know, revamping our website. We had a, a church online campus where we were actually um, hosting people to view our services and leading a creative teams of volunteers, photographers, videographers, social media coordinators. Um, so I've that everything about that role really felt like it was a, it was a dream job, but I did feel uh, not necessarily fulfilled. Um, and I, I just had this overwhelming sense that something um, needed, needed to change that this wasn't actually what I had, you know, three, three years later, this wasn't actually, um, everything I, I thought was, was right for me in the moment. Um, and it, so it, it, it kind of begged the change and knowing that that was coming up, that definitely <laughs> invoked some fear, some reservations, some, all the nerves, right. Um, cause up until this point, I had never, never left a, left a job, um, never didn't know how to go about this. It was my first time. Um, so yeah, to answer your question, there's a lot of fears and, and reservations, but, um, you know, having some confidence that, that it was the right decision. So what's, what's really interesting in that, uh, you, you know, you went through studies, religion, philosophy, got your MDiv, your master's of divinity. 
uh, found yourself doing work in a church eventually. I know your first job wasn't at mm-hmm. the church. Uh, there's a lot of, I think of like the, the inertia. I've talked to pastors before that, you know, are either going to be leaving the ministry or maybe their, maybe their de- denomination has said, hey, uh, you've done a great job, but we'd like, you know, we kind of want you to move on. And so they're trying to figure out their life. Maybe they're in their 50s and, they're, and, they're, and they can only think of themselves in the context of ministry. And I've tried to say, well, hey, you know, you, you ran a, a half a million dollar budget. You did adult education. That's training work. You know, you, you did a, a capital campaign. Like I try to show them some of the parallels, the cross, uh, the transferable skill sets, if you will. And it's hard for them to kind of break out of that. So what I was going to say is it's impressive to me that you went through all that um, training in a ministry focus and yet have been able to embrace uh, the commercial side of the work you're doing. Was that a conflict for you? Did you struggle with that at all? I mean, I, I can I can kind of think forward, like you, you're focused on purpose-driven uh, organizations, mm-hmm. so that helps. So I think a little known fact was, for me, I, entre- entrepreneurship has always been in my DNA. Um, you know, I was always kind of picked out of the crowd for leadership opportunities. Um, from 2006 up until that point, I had been regularly active in leadership training courses. Uh, at the age of 17, I organized my first leadership camp of over 60 participants, oh, wow. <laughs> uh, leading you know staff members that were, some, some of them were twice my age. And then towards the end in college, I quit my part-time job and started my first business teaching music lessons out of a, out of a practice room on campus, um, working the same amount of hours and, and tripling my income. So I always had like this, this, like this, thing inside me that was wanting to start new things. And, um, and I think that was always kind of running through the work that I had done in, in ministry and in, in the workplace. Um, so I think when I was ready to make this transition, this, these things were bubbling up, um, this idea of starting something new and in, in entrepreneurship and, you know, in, in ministry, you know, you're, you really are honing these communication skills, not just communication and in the marketing sense, but, um, in public speaking and, and some of these things. And I knew that as a, you know, as a business owner, as someone who's kind of blooming in that direction, um, that these are all, you know, really well honed skills that would, I knew would find their way into, um, whatever I was able to start. My guest today is Sean Pritzkow. You can find him on Twitter. Just look for at Sean Pritzkow. That's S-E-A-N-P-R-I-T-Z-K-A-U. We're going to break in a moment for a message. But before I do, I want to let you know that Sean has offered a free resource for listeners to this podcast. And I'll give you some details on that. But it's five social media templates to save you hours of work every week. And we'll provide details on how you can get that a little later in the show. Guys, thanks for joining me for this episode of The Currency. There's more to come in the second half, so stick around. But before we get to that, I want to quickly invite you to join my free email newsletter. If you like topics like brand strategy, marketing strategy, business strategy, entrepreneurship, If those kinds of things float your boat like they do mine, then I would encourage you to sign up. You see, I write articles, I create videos, and I produce podcast episodes like this. And maybe once, twice a month, I send out an email to my subscribers to let them know about the new content that I've created. And I typically include 
a bit of a note, some insight or some direction in that email as well. So if you're into that kind of thing, take a moment, just go to my website. It's mikegaston.com. That's M-I-K-E-G-A-S-T-I-N.com. You'll see a block right on the homepage where you can sign up. Just give me your first name, your email address. I will never spam you. I'll always protect your information, but I'd love to add you to my subscriber list. I'd love to keep you updated on this great content that I work so hard to produce and put out there for you to use. So take a moment, sign up. I look forward to including you in the next email that goes out. Now let's get back into today's interview. Sean, you've talked a little bit about your background, your your credentialing and training. I've asked you questions about purpose and your criteria for clients and that type of thing and your experience working in, uh, in marketing and in the ministry I, I don't know about you, you know, also being a marketing consultant and we're kind of in, we, we overlap, we're in different spaces in, in, in marketing. You're doing a lot of strategy work as well in branding, but I, I don't get into things like social media, but both of us being in in the business, there is an aspect that's kind of, it can be sleazy, cheesy. You know, we talked about the cynicism in marketing. How how does or does your background and experiences inform the way you approach marketing? Because I, I, I think sometimes it's a bit of a minefield. Like how do you... How do you treat marketing in a way that's um, ethical, moral, and good in general? How do you work that out for yourself and for your clients? Yeah, it's it's funny because a lot of the people I attend to um, attract in this cause space is a little adverse to marketing. And, you know, from my background in, in ministry and working with churches, um, you don't really say marketing. <laughs> you, you call it communications. You don't we have a communications <laughs> team, a comedy. You don't say you the don't, M word. You don't say the yeah. M word in, in church there. So um, some of the, the groups of people, I, uh, they know that they, they need marketing, um, but they have some reservations uh, in approaching marketing because they feel like they need to sell themselves to um, you know, get, get people's attention. And, mm. um, you know, I, I noticed that uh, when I kind of got my start into entrepreneurship and starting my business is I felt like I could talk about anybody. I could help anybody with their marketing. Um, but myself, it was, it felt so weird for the first time having to use all these strategies and different things I've, you know, I've done for uh, my employers and now have to to do it for myself, um, to talk about myself in a way that was clear and, and effective and it's hard, um, isn't it? having, yeah, having to lead with my value. And, um, you know, I it was not fun at first. I, I really hated the idea <laughs> of it. Um, and so I, I noticed my clients and the kind of people I work with, um, struggle with the same thing. They, they don't want to come off as, you know, a salesperson. They don't want to come off as kind of spammy or, um, self-serving. So, you know, that is definitely a, a struggle. And I, and I, I mean, I really love having those kind of conversations um, to start with because, you know, if you're really going to communicate what you do with your audience and you feel like you have some sort of value that you can provide to them, um, then you really need to communicate that. And you can do that in ways that aren't um, self-serving or, or selfish or spammy. Um, and I think, to do that, that you just really need to approach it thoughtfully and, and strategically. That's good. And do you do you find um, that this topic comes up? So you're you're saying a lot of times your customers or clients don't feel comfortable, but clearly they know they have a need, or else you know you wouldn't be at the table. Mm-hmm. 
do you get into this kind of deeper aspect of it or is it just really, um, they're just trusting you. They're like, Hey, this guy really knows what he's doing. I can just trust him and he's going to do good work. Or do you have to get into the deeper aspects of, you know, that how do we do this in a way that's good and authentic and true and moral? Yeah. I'm usually approached because, um, you know, someone needs help with their marketing, um, which really means they need help bringing in more sales. They're looking to bring in more donations. They have, you know, attendance at an event that they need to um, generate some attention and awareness to. Um, mm-hmm. So I, people typically lead with these kind of questions, uh, not necessarily like help me talk, help me communicate. Um, right. But that's always where I begin is, hey, let's, if, if you're struggling um, to get, gather some attention or, you know, some enrollment in whatever you're doing, uh, I rarely start with, well, let's figure out how to get more people's eyes on, on you. I typically step back and say, "Hey, let's look at how you're talking um, with your you know, with your audience. You know, let's let's see what is what, what are the words that are on your website. Let's see in the emails that you're writing to your audience. How are you communicating? Uh, because I I find that people are are putting in the work to to try and do the effort of marketing, um, but because we're so close to our businesses and, and to our brands, and um, that we often talk in a way that confuses people and we don't really realize that um because we're trying to get the email out you know we're trying to get that campaign rolling um sure. but you know if we because we're so close to things we, we tend to talk in a way that doesn't make the most sense to our audience we tend to confuse them and in result they get confused and, and might not engage in our in our programs or enroll in what we're offering and the closeness is a big deal because, you know, we live with our work. We have internalized it. We engage it. We think about it. So for us, we think we're being very clear when we communicate something, but, but, but we live in this. We've like marinated in this work for some people decades. Mm-hmm. And so what we, we assume is obvious is not necessarily. Mm-hmm. And uh, I, I, I like what you're saying. It, it, I'm not one to say that you always have to have a third party you know, you have to hire a marketing consultant, be someone outside the company to be, but there is a value in bringing someone from the outside in. Cause you just, it's like, I have a picture of myself as just a person. It's probably what I looked like when I was 23. I had hair, I was trimmer, yeah. <laughs> you know, and in my mind, that's Mike. And, uh, but if, if I asked someone from the outside to what, no, there's this kind of fat, balding, middle-aged white guy, you know, and, and somewhere in between those two are the truth, I'd like to believe. But um, there's a benefit, though, in having that outside perspective. Yes, there is. And, and there's a value in that, I would imagine. Mm-hmm. Yeah. I also, I also, I don't know about you, but I've found sometimes clients are fearful. Like, they really believe in their company or they believe in their product, but they feel like it's, it's wrong to brag. They feel like they're bragging mm-hmm. when they're marketing, you know. And I can come from the outside and say, no, this thing's really good. We need to be proud of this. Mm-hmm. And uh, sometimes I think people just need permission, you, you know, to, to tell the world about what they have and, and its usefulness. Mm-hmm. Is that different in the not-for-profit or the purpose-driven world? No, I, I think it's, I don't think it's different at all. Um, because I feel like a lot of people, when they get to that point where they do have people who are captive, um, they have their attention, you know, whether it's online in, on their website or, on social media or even, you know, live in the flesh at an event or a gala or something. Um, it's often, you know, 
popular to hold back on what are we actually asking people to do? And, you know, having an... Why, why is that, <laughs> you think? I don't mean to interrupt you, but it, why is it? I think it is it? a little bit of fear. Um, you know, we're afraid of what people might think, you know, if, if we are direct with our, our ask. Or if we, um, you know, are, you know we, we jump too quick to say, you know, I'd, I'd really like your support in this. And, I mean, for the person, you know, giving that offer, that invitation to 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 purchase or to donate um you know it feels good to kind of hold back because you you don't want to feel overbearing but i think from the the listener's side or you know your audience's perspective they just see you're not you're not confident what you're offering right and if, they're gonna, and if you're not confident why mm-hmm. should i be why should i be believe absolutely in and yeah. uh you see that all over the board and i think to have you know someone an outside perspective to be able to point that out to you um it it can really change things. How much, and, and I'm the one that brought up the cynicism. I mean, you, you introduced the concept, but I kind of jumped mm-hmm. on it. How much of it is due to cynicism, if at all, in your opinion? And what I mean by that is, are we fearful of promoting ourselves because everybody else is promoting so much and, and we're sick of it? And then now it's my turn to promote me and I feel like, ugh, I don't want to participate. I mean, is, does that contribute to this desire to hold back? Is it just... The na- we just don't want to swim in the sea that everybody seems to be in. Yeah, I think I think you might be right there. Um, as far as you know, we're tend to be maybe similar to our audience in this in the the sense that we have our um, you know really our, our our eyes out for what BS people are kind of throwing our way. Sure. Um, and I think you know my generation, and I think in general we're you know, holding up the, putting up walls in that regards, um, just as a self-defense mechanism of, um, you know, if, if people have their own interests in mind, um, I think that's the assumption that we have. Um, but from, you know, if you're, if you're leading with your ask and you know that what you have to offer is really going to provide value to the people that you're positioning it to, um, that is really showing that you have their interest in mind. So when people, you know, are, are listening and engaged, um, the worst thing that we can do is kind of shy away and, you know, pretend that, <laughs> um, if we, if we don't ask or we're a little bit lighter or a little bit nicer, that that's going to help. And I, and more often mm-hmm. than that, I see it doesn't. Yeah, no, I think you're on to it. And I, I appreciate it because I think of other analogous aspects of life. I mean, if you want to marry someone, you have to pursue that person. And at some point in the relationship, you have to explicitly say, you know, will you marry me? I w- or, you know, I want to marry you. This is the thing I want to happen. And do you want it to? Uh, you have to apply for a job. You have to let the person know, I want this job. Like there are just aspects. And um, it's kind of funny that when we have something to offer the world that we think is good, uh, you know, be it a not a nonprofit or a, a church or or a for-profit entity mm-hmm. that we're almost apologetic uh, in in offering that. Yeah. It's uh, so so you were talking before like it's getting bad. There's lots of marketing, thousands of messages a day, and the fact is we have to become better marketers. Mm-hmm. So in light of all that we're talking about, what does that look like? What does it look like to be a better marketer in your experience? Yeah, I think it. I mean, it, I always encourage people to begin with clarity. Um, and why, why do we need to get clear? Well, I think it, it, we get, we grab people's attention when we're, 
uh, when we communicate clearly. Um, in this, you know, like I said, in this vast sea of noise, um, it's not those who approach marketing with volume um, that win, you know, volume in the case of how loud you are, but also with the amount of messages that you communicate. Um, mm-hmm. But it, with clarity really helps you be able to communicate effectively. And to, to achieve clarity, you really need to have, you know, a very, um, you know, clear idea of who are we trying to reach and what do they, what do they need in relationship to our brand? And then once we know who they are and, you know, what do they need, then we have to ask the real hard question of what can I really offer them that um, relates to that need that they have? And, you know, answering some of these questions, um, it seems a little bit elementary at first, right? Um, but mm. I remember like one of the, you know, one of the first nonprofit um, clients I worked with, I was sitting down, um, they were in a position where they were um, passing the baton, if you will. The old executive director was leaving and the new one uh, was okay. coming on. And, you know, the the passing executive director um I remember they said the number one thing I regret in the last, I think they were there for maybe four or five years. And they said the number one thing that they regret was they never sat down and came up with one sentence about why they exist. And I I remember being so struck by that because they were, you know, incredibly, um, you know, they were a strong leader. They were, I think, you know, effective in a lot of ways, um, very passionate. Um, but for them to leave and say, you know, I didn't sit down and just really come up with that clear sentence that I can pass along to my team, um, to those who are helping with our marketing, to, you know, those who are ultimately serving. Why, what is this, you know, very clear one sentence, how do we exist? Um, so that's often more difficult um, than we think it is to, you know, one one sentence or, you know, if you're going to talk to someone at a party or, or a gathering, you know, how do I, how do I communicate that one, that one idea in a way that they'll walk away and be like, Hey, I, I, I know what he does. <laughs> no, I think that's gold. And, you know, as you're relating that story, relaying that story, I, um, I had the same reaction. I thought, Oh my goodness, how could they not do that? But then it occurred to me, you know, I, there's lots of things in my life that are really important, but not urgent. Mm-hmm. You know, and what I end up doing is I spend a lot of time on the important urgent and the unimportant urgent. Mm-hmm. But there are these things out there that are so valuable, like developing this very basic statement or idea concept around an organization that's so powerful. Mm-hmm. But an organization can get by for years without that because you're just so busy swatting down the day's work and putting out yep. fires and raising funds. I could see how that happens. Yeah. And uh, that's that's powerful. So I'm assuming one of the first things you try to do when you work with a client is to help them distill that down if they haven't figured it out already. Yeah, absolutely. Because, I mean, one of the reasons I really kind of got into the more strategic side of, of marketing or wanting to really push that forward in my, my own work with clients is, you know, I, I had a lot of experience where people were looking for a website or um, they were looking for a video or they were looking to, to generate some... Uh, to to create some ad campaigns online for Facebook. Something more tactical, sure. Yeah, and um, those things are obviously very um, powerful aspects of our marketing, and and we can do a lot with those, but um, I think they can often become 
distractions to some of these, you know, very inc- important things that um, we need to to kind of hone in on our marketing. And once we have that kind of clarity, then when we approach our website and when we approach um, how we're communicating on email or if, you know, we're going to put some sort of Facebook ad online or, or something like this, social media, um, how much how much more confident we are when we say, hey, we know who we're trying to reach and the value that we bring. Uh, then when you approach these other aspects of your marketing, um, you, you, you kind of have like a... I don't know. I, I kind of like refer to like a treasure chest to pull things out of because we know like right. these really clear things that we can we we can say to people so that they'll engage with us. Um, but when we don't do that, and when we just you know we design our own website or you, you're working with a team to do these things, um, it can be really overwhelming because we're like, what do we what do we say there? What do we write? That's what do right. we what do we communicate? Yeah. Um, so I always do start with just getting really clear on things, and then I I see that it it really helps kind of light uh, light some some fire and some energy behind the other aspects of our marketing sure and and uh, I'm assuming your experience or that you know you're you're not coming in saying I'll tell you what you're, you're helping them discover what's already in their hearts it's already in their mm-hmm. organization it's just they're so busy day to day that they need they just need some help to say let's sit down maybe you've got a process you can take them through a workshop and you're mm-hmm. gonna help them you're gonna facilitate the discovery of this thing. Mm-hmm. I mean, is it more than that, or is that is that an accurate description of what it looks like? Yeah, I've uh, you know, I I love the the doing aspect. Um, you know, being part of several in house marketing teams, right? You you work up your chops in a lot of different areas, and you wear a lot of hats. And there's a part of me that really loves that kind of work, but I've I've really come to understand that I can be a lot uh, a lot more effective by gathering the right people and asking the right questions. And helping some of these ideas flow out and kind of creating some accountability so that these questions don't just get jot down in a, you know, a moleskin and aren't answered. <laughs> but they I are... Have stacks of moleskins. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, exactly. And uh, I mean, think about the stacks and how often you may go back to... It's a big fat <laughs> zero. Yeah, I never go back to them. They're it's chock so... full of million dollar ideas, but no luck. Exactly. So there's something with about accountability of, um, you know, having someone ask you the, the right questions and, you know, making sure that these yeah. get, uh, you know, you give these questions the kind of attention they deserve. And, sure. But I, I, once we get that kind of clarity, um, working on a, a website project or, um, you know, recording a video with a client with, you know, maybe another team member, um, those things projects become so much more enjoyable because sure. you can kind of have some confidence that I, I think we have a, we might have a chance with this one because we really feel confident in what we're, yeah. uh, who we're, who we're creating it for and what are we communicating in it? Um, so I, I love, you know, coaching people through these questions, but then, you know, once we get some clarity, it's the projects that come along are, are uh, very enjoyable too. What I find, what I really like about what you're doing and what I find is that two things kind of happen with a client. When, when someone like you comes in and helps them discover that kind of key idea that, you know, who is it that we're talking to and what is it that we're saying to them? Very clear. There's an element of energy that, that there's a burst of energy in the, in the organization because typically people resonate. Once they see, they go, yeah, that's mm-hmm. us. Like there's an excitement like, wow, that's, how did you do that? How'd you figure out that's who we are? So that's, 
that's just great to see the organization get energized. Mm-hmm. Um, but the second thing too is I often find that, I don't know if your clients, but my clients aren't always marketers. Often they're great at what they do and they need someone like you or I to come in because we're good at what we do. But they don't always know how to evaluate our work. Mm-hmm. You know, I think like if you ended up working with a doctor or a brain surgeon, you know, I couldn't tell him anything about what he does. He's an expert beyond, you know, imagination. But he doesn't necessarily know how to evaluate good marketing. Mm-hmm. And when you distill that concept down, you know, let's say now you bring him a video. You've distilled the concept, concept now the team creates a video. He can look at that video and say, does that video communicate that idea? Mm. You know, it just it, it equips him or her to evaluate uh, the marketing work where before mm-hmm. it was more subjective, like, well, I don't like the color blue. I don't know why we're using blue on the website. I hate blue. Yeah. You know, and now it's like, well, gee, I know what we're trying to say and blue makes sense. I get it. Yeah. So that's, that's great. I, it's so valuable. And you know, so many marketers just jump right into the tactical side. And, uh, I love that you're starting there. Hey, let mm-hmm. me ask you a question. If you don't mind, I, of course, you're on the podcast, so I'm guessing you don't mind, right? You're stuck. <laughs> but, you know, like guys like Gary V, you, do you follow him at all? Gary, uh, yeah, Gary Vaynerchuk? He, yeah, he's hard to ignore. <laughs> he's hard to ignore. That's exactly it. So, he, ball of energy, and I, I, I don't have any criticism. The guy's a machine. Mm-hmm. I don't like all the F-bombs. Uh, not that I'm, you know, mm-hmm. uptight, but it's like after a while, it's like I feel like I got to put headphones on <laughs> just to just to save my uh, people around me in the, in the yeah, coffee pause, shop. Pause the TV when the, uh, exactly. when the kids walk in or something. But, you know, one of his kind of approaches is just like you just need to create all, just put everything out there. Don't worry about scripting stuff. Don't worry about, uh, I don't know if he would say don't worry about your key message, but you don't even have to have, have a message. Just get content out there. So where are you on that spectrum? I think of like all these different social media platforms, all these different content uh, forms, media forms, writing, video, audio. Excuse. Um, how, do you, how do you advise your clients? Because there's just so much that they could do. You know, not all of us can be Gary Vee. Not all of us have his energy or his team of 100 people just churning out product. Yeah, that's a, that's a great question. I don't, um, I might be somewhere in the middle on this one because, you know, coming from my background in ministry, like we've talked about, um, you know, in that world, testimony is so, such a powerful and important thing. Um, kind of getting someone's, you know, honest, off the cuff, um, true emotions and feelings about an experience that they've had. Um, so to that degree, you know, it's it's pretty important to kind of get some like really authentic, meaningful things down um, and things communicated. Um, but I don't know about you if you've ever filmed a video of yourself talking or someone's recorded a video of you and you watch it. And you didn't really communicate what you thought you did. Oh, well, it happens all uh, the time. <laughs> and I think so, it happened on the first half of this podcast. But go ahead. That, that's me, not you. <laughs> and I think that is true for a lot of people. Um, so I've learned, especially in the work that I've done for myself, but also with clients, that there's such a, an element of getting our thoughts down and feeling comfortable with them and kind of, you know, giving your own signature on those things. And then, all right. I feel confident with what we just put together. Now that is what I'm going to communicate in this video. Um, you know, that keynote, that presentation, uh, you know, these things that you've kind of really worked hard to distill into some short, um, easy to communicate kind of things. Mm-hmm. Um, but I think the caveat that I would like to, to mention is 
sometimes um, having that be the goal in mind of this perfectly um, manicured, um, articulate presentation holds people from creating anything. Um, And I know that's been true for me. It's true for a lot of people I know. Um, So if, you know, if you're, if that idea of just creating the idealistic, perfect um, monologue is getting you in the way, uh, getting in the way of you, you know, creating something, then I always, you know, turn, turn the thing on and and start talking, start recording, start writing things down. um, Because that's going to be much better than nothing, especially social media, right? (laughs) Um, You know, we, we think we feel like we have to post something, you know, every minute, and then we don't post something for weeks. Right. Um, You know, there's a ton of value of just getting, you know, your true honest thoughts, um, ideas out, what you're trying to do to connect with your audience, um, get those things out and then, you know, begin to start, you know, really, uh, refining those ideas, um, as you get things created and then, you know, create things that you're really proud of, um, things that you, you know, have that kind of your stamp of approval, that signature, um, because I think getting that kind of those ideas out, getting your content created, um, you know, adding to this, this this arsenal of marketing materials you have is, is going to help. Um, but you definitely need to, to get out there and and start. I agree. And I think, um, to your point, you know, the perfect is the enemy of done. Mm -hmm. I've heard people say that Mm -hmm. I've been guilty of falling into that trap, but I also think too, if, if, uh, the more you do what more someone does, what you're suggesting, the better they're going to get. Like Mm -hmm. I, if you look at the first few episodes, first season of like, say Seinfeld, take an old Mm -hmm. show and you compare that to one of the, you know, final seasons, there's a huge improvement in, in mm-hmm. the quality, the tightness, the timing, everything. Mm-hmm. And, uh, but, but, but as viewers, we don't really pick up on that. We kind of forget, you know, you're just in the moment enjoying someone's content. You don't think about what they look like when they started. Mm-hmm. So I think to your point, just getting started and getting something out there is so important because you will get better. Mm-hmm. And, uh, that's the only way to get better is to put stuff out there. Yep. Yeah. So I want to talk a little bit about this freebie that you have. So this five social media templates to save you hours of work every week. Sean, where can people find this? Yeah, so I've, um, you know, I've, I've created this resource. It's it's something that I've used, uh, I, I've used for years with, you know, from my in-house marketing days to um, with clients now. Um, it's literally the same spreadsheet that I've used and I've refined it over the years. Um, but, you know, I've talked to clients that I've worked with and they said, you know, one of the best things that you, you were able to provide for us was that spreadsheet that you created. <laughs> yeah. And yeah. For- it's a fantastic tool. I downloaded it I don't know, maybe a year ago when you, when you, you put a link out yeah. a while back and I snagged it. I felt guilty <laughs> because I'm like, this is such, such a great tool. I feel like I should be paying you for it. <laughs> well, that's the funny thing is I think we don't really realize the things that we create or the ideas that we have hold some sort of value. And, you know, that's something I offer to the clients and the people on my website, because I, I think it is valuable, but you know, like sure. I said, we're so close to these things. We don't really realize until, uh, that's right. so I, I, I put that out there and, um, what it does is, is it just gives you a place to plan. Uh, people see social media as something that is so, um, kind of exhausting, time consuming, hard to just kind of manage, you know, having all these different platforms we're supposed to be sharing with uh, consistency. So I've, I've put this out into the world just so people have something to plan, uh, a place to plan. And, you know, there's, 
you know, tools out there that um, can range anywhere from, you know, $15, $20 a month to $100 a month, depending on, you know, the, how sophisticated you get. Um, but in the end, these things do a lot of what a, a spreadsheet can do, uh, give you a place to organize your thoughts, um, you know, really develop a calendar around what you're sharing online. And hopefully it's helpful. So I have that um, available on my website. Um, I'll, I'll be able to provide a link if you... Yeah, I'll, I'll, throw, I'll throw some links in the show notes. Yep. Yeah, so um, that's how you can kind of find me and, and that'll help you, um, you know, access me if there's any ways I can provide more value. Yeah, so guys, you can check out uh, seanpritzkow.com. That's S-E-A-N-P-R-I-T-Z-K-A-U.com. Yeah. And uh, I'll, I'll provide a link in the show notes. Also, you can connect the Sean on social media. So he's on Twitter. Just look for at Sean Pritzkow. You can find him also on Instagram, uh, same Sean Pritzkow. And surprisingly, he's on LinkedIn as Sean Pritzkow. He's everywhere. <laughs> so definitely check out Sean. Uh, wonderful person and uh, very generous with his expertise and time. I think you'll you'll uh, check out that 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 resource. I, I found it really useful. I have not rebranded it and used it with clients, but it's been. <laughs> and if if you you want to talk to my lawyer, I'll give you his info. But um, <laughs> seriously, though, it's a fantastic tool, Sean. Before we wrap up, I want to ask a, a, a question about entrepreneurship. So you've been out on your own for two and a half years now. You've been doing some fantastic work. I love that you're doing Thank the strategic you. thinking with your clients. I think that's so important and so. Uh, necessary in today's world. There's so many technicians and tacticians, people that can do the work, and that's great. They need to be there, but there's not enough folks just asking the why questions. So I, I love what you're doing. But now that you've been on your own for a couple of years, coming up on three years, uh, and you look back, do, you know, would you do this all over again? Do you love being an entrepreneur? And and what would you do a little differently now that you've had some experience under your belt? Yeah, so I would not. Uh, I would not, you know, turn the other direction. Um, you know, starting my own business has been such an exciting opportunity. Um, you know, testing my own um, skills and uh, bandwidth and all these things. I've, I've had a, it's been a wonderful journey. Um, and I, you know, the, how I got here, although maybe unconventional, um, has been exciting because I think, given my background, it's given me a unique perspective on, on marketing and, and connecting and, and growing audiences. Um, and especially, you know, along the lines of social media, you know, there wasn't a lot of, um, you know, like academic opportunities to, to, to study how to use social media professionally or help people with that. So I kind of paved my own way in, in that regards. But um, if I was to do, you know, to do anything differently, I think I might've started earlier. <laughs> Um, oh, that's a good, that's good. And I, I, I say that because, you know, I always encourage, you know, mostly f friends who you may have um, some de desires for to go in kind of an entrepreneurial journey. Um, I always say to start now. Um, you know, I had a, I think I had my domain name, you know, seanpritzgow.com, you know, a, almost a decade before I started my business. Um, I used to have a little, you know, a blog that I, I wrote daily on for years. Um, and I think there's a lot of value and merit to, um, even if you're not having, uh, you know, you know, the motivation to put out any sort of material or content for, um, to gain, you know, gain some sort of income, 
Um, but to to grow in your skill set, in your role, in maybe your your company or your organization, and to to start to start writing about the journey. Um, I think there's a lot of benefit from that. And if you ever get to the point where you're, you know, ready to launch into something new, um, then you have kind of a maybe a, an audience that's paying attention. You have some of these ideas that kind of show your area of expertise, things that you've. Uh, accomplished in your your business or organization already, um, so I think I would have started earlier because you know if I was to able to to start talking about um, marketing and, and having you know regular regular posts on marketing on on my website or on my blog with a few subscribers, um, I I think I would have been able to go further faster. Mm. Um, so I think that that would be definitely what I would what I would do differently. That's a that's a fantastic answer, and I resonate with that so deeply. I mean, there's a there are a few years between us, um, and I've been I was actually talking with one of my sons the other day, and uh, I said to him, I wish that I had started with YouTube, you know, mm-hmm. a decade mm-hmm. ago. And he's like, well, you're doing great now. Why, you know, what's why? And I said, because I would have had built an audience. Yep. I would have so much more momentum. And at 52. You know, I, it's fine. I mean, you, I'm young enough to do YouTube. There's no reason I can't. Mm-hmm. But I could be so much, you know, I could have a quarter of a million subscribers versus my 500, right? So it's like that um, That audience building is so mm-hmm. important. And anybody can start mm-hmm. that. I mean, you bring up a you know, great point. It's like you could just start building an audience. You don't have to worry about monetization. Mm-hmm. Uh, and if you build that audience, then when you're ready to flip the switch, it's a, it's a much smoother transition mm-hmm. because you have these people that are, excited about you, your ideas, uh, and they're, they're engaged and they're, they're invested on some level. Yeah. That's fantastic, Sean. Great insight. Sean, thanks so much for being on the currency. It's been a fantastic discussion. You've been a very uh, gracious uh, guest and I feel like you've really given some, some deep insight and, and some tactical value as well. So thank you. Yeah, of course. I I really appreciate you inviting me on, on the show and, um, you know, it's funny. I, I, rem- I recall us. Our first conversation was over the phone. So, um, I whenever I listen to the podcast or even in this discussion, I just kind of feel like uh, <laughs> we're we're just on the phone talking about marketing and life. So I love it. I appreciate <laughs> you inviting cool. me. Yeah. Well, it's a pleasure. And I think you know, having come on the first time, and uh, I think you're going to have to come back on later on once the show gets a little bit more momentum. And, uh, you, you know, I, I, sometimes on my, my most favorite podcast is the recurring guests, mm. you know, the folks that you get to hear from time to time. So I think that uh, your willingness to help me get this thing launched uh, deserves, it, uh, well, it could be considered a punishment. You, you don't have to come on a second time, but I would love to have you come back uh, once we get the show moving a little bit more and, and have you uh, share what you're up to. So, Sean, uh, thanks again. Folks, make sure to check out Sean Pritzkow. SeanPritzkow.com at Sean Pritzkow on social media and get that free resource that social media template is fantastic it's a very uh, very useful tool folks thanks again for listening this is The Currency I'm your host Mike Gaston make sure to subscribe you can find this podcast on iTunes Google Play Stitcher and anywhere that fine podcasts are provided love you guys and we'll catch you in the next episode